last eight and a half, almost nine months now. Every single bit of what we do, what we ask of our guys matters. And so, you know, we try to have a holistic approach, um, very thorough. You know, the journey is very real for these young guys. They've got a lot of, of demands and things that are beyond the football field. Our job is to win games. I'm supposed to build a brand as a, as a football coach and fill the stadium up. I get that. But developing our young young people is, is a critical part of what we do and uh, in every part of their life. But uh, it all starts with mindset and attitude. And then foundationally, man, we've got to have a, a foundation of belief and, and having an edge to us and, and how we compete, how we work, how we respond. All those things matter. And, and so as coaches, we're trying to teach our guys and reteach and, again, reestablish all of those things from a, from a mindset perspective. There's Josh Pate, 24-7 sports. Um. <laughs> that was good. I, that was good. That's, that's funny. I like that. Uh, uh, hey, what was that from? Is that an old quote, or is that pulled from a recent interview? Oh, I don't know. He was just labeled uh, seven and five head coach. It's just what it was labeled <laughs> at is in my folder. I, I, don't know. Uh, I, heard, I heard you guys referencing that number today a little bit earlier on dialed in with McComas and Thune. It's close. So, you, got, you got half of that right. <laughs> so I'll take it. I'll actually take that. I'll take it. So what was this, What was all the 7-5 and five chatter yesterday? I missed it. Well, you're the only person in the state that missed it. I would just like to point that out. Um, okay. Pretty straightforward. Stuart Mandel predicts OU to roll off a 7-5 and five season this year. And apparently they're going to lose to Nebraska. So... That's gonna Nebraska's gonna lose to North Dakota in week two at home. He he said that North he said North Dakota has been a really good uh football program lately and they're gonna have a good team this year. North Dakota's picked to finish seventh in the Missouri Valley. He clearly mixed up North Dakota and North Dakota State, which is pretty comical since he covers the sport at the national level. But yeah, seven and five football team this year. Um he's even got Texas going four and eight, which as crazy as I think picking OU at seven and five is, you and I are down on Texas, but a four and eight for UT. I mean, both of those were like, dude, what is up? Here's the thing. Didn't someone who was it? Was it the New York Times? Someone bought the Athletic, right? Who was it that bought the Athletic? I think it was the New York Times. Actually, I, I yeah no I, I yeah. It, yeah I think that's right. I think that happened. He probably made a ton of money off of that, and now they're like his seven-year-old is like writing his columns for him or something. Uh, he's not even paying attention; doesn't even care. He is a totally worthless follow, read whatever you want to call it when it comes to college football. Yeah, there's there's absolutely nothing there. Now, that doesn't mean by some you know, crazy happenstance that Oklahoma doesn't have a bad season. That could happen. But there's nothing about Stuart Mandel's prediction that is legitimate. Like, he doesn't see some some serious holes in their team. or He doesn't have any idea about any player on the roster, has no idea about any player on any roster in the Big 12, has no clue about anything. He's just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. 
That's it. You know what his picks are like? And I saw it again today, actually. It's like, um, you know, when they do these games at a neutral side or a bowl game or a championship and they go to a local zoo and they get the seal to pick the two <laughs> helmets. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he's like, picking games. Which, by the way, the seal at the Atlanta Zoo says that Georgia Tech's going to beat Clemson. And I'm sure that Stewie Mandel agrees with that. It's, it's, yes, it's about the same as uh, Tracy the sales lady used to work with us, just an amazing woman. She used to pick who was going to win the game by who had the cuter quarterback. It's the same theory. I mean, there's, there's, there's really nothing to it. It's the same thing with uh, with. When Mandel. OU goes seven and five by that logic of picking games, they're definitely beating uh, Texas. I mean, come on, that's Quinn Ewers. I'd have to, I'd have to pull up the. Though he is has a sponsorship with Wranglers now, that might do it for oh, you and man. some other people. I don't know. Was that the big announcement? <laughs> well, it was a few days late. If that was the case, maybe Wrangler forgot to uh, release it, but. It's not only with Quinn Ewers, but Wrangler is putting out team-specific gear for uh, a few schools, UT being one of them. Oh, man. If that, if that isn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'll definitely be wearing denim to the Bedlam game this year is what that means if they oh, offer OU apparel. Wranglers is sponsoring – Texas, with uh, some specific gear, has signed their quarterback to an NIL. I mean, it, and that is that is the that's the perfect place because there's no better Wranglers than Texas Longhorn Wranglers. Pristine, never seen uh, a day of their lives outside of city limits. Uh, never been in a field. Never done any work. They're just pristine jeans. So it's actually smart on their end. I love that. That's am I great. am I supposed to wear Wranglers in the SEC or is it khakis? Does anyone know what the dress code is over there? Uh, yeah, it's shorts and a t-shirt, buddy, because it's humid. Okay, well, I like I like the sound of it. I just you know, at different schools you're supposed to wear different things. At LSU, right. you're supposed to wear no sleeves. At Ole Miss, you're supposed to wear a long sleeve collared shirt tucked in. At Florida, I don't think you wear a shirt with all those crazy morons down there. I just needed to know the dress code. You know, and I don't think I'm, – I'm not the first person to point this out. I can't remember where I heard it. But, you know, the skinny jeans thing, it's hilarious because, you know, Cowboys have been wearing skinny jeans for like 40 years. Yet, um, quick to point the finger at everyone else wearing the skinny jeans, right? <laughs> Is that, I mean, oh, that sounds like a guy that wears Lululemon pants to me. That's who's saying hey, that. Yeah, I bet you have some Lululemon it, pants on right now since the temperature's dropped a little bit. I've got, I've got Lululemon shorts on. Oh, and God. let me tell you something. If Wranglers had just a little bit of flex in them, all they would be is glorified yoga pants. Okay? Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, I, I do know the dress code in Gainesville, Florida. It's Wranglers, but they're made into homemade jorts, and they're frayed at the bottom. I, uh, I asked a Florida fan one time where his jorts were, and he got in my <laughs> face, and I thought, honest to God, like it's one of those moments where, oh, wow, I'm about to be in a fight. That's, that was my last <laughs> interaction with a Florida fan. 
It's like elevated really it's like, quickly, really, right? Really, I did not think that this was going to go this way, but here we are. Spoiler alert, we didn't get into a fight, but I thought it was going to happen. Did he, did he back you down real quick? We're like, listen, man, I'm just joking. It really escalated quite quickly, and it's like, really, man, I, you know, I you can flip me the middle finger or something like that. I don't think that we need to fight over that. He's pretty hostile. Well, uh, well, let that be a warning to everyone else to uh, to tread lightly for your first couple of fan interactions in the SEC. Uh, text line says, yeah, wear Wranglers to Baton Rouge and see if the old swamp uh, you-know-what ever does it again. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's fascinating, though, that yours has a, uh, a Wranglers deal. I actually like that for him. I, I'm happy the kid's making a bunch of money. Um, we'll see if any of it ever translates to the football field. He Is he going to be like one of these uh, NFL quarterbacks that make all this money? And then we look at how many games he actually won in college and say, oh my gosh, he got paid like $8 million per win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he got a he got a hundred grand per touchdown. <laughs> Seriously, pretty good. Um, no, so that that pick by by Bruce Feldman, it's I like it, it's just stupid, is what it is. I think that's the right word. Yeah, but then I, yeah. y- you know, CBS has their Big Twelve expert picks today, and it's just kind of it's a little more of the same. You know, a, a couple people picked OU to win the conference this year. But there's still others that don't think OU's going to make the conference championship game, going to finish fourth in the league. It's almost like nationally, you either think OU's going to win the conference and make the playoff, or you think they're going to be an 8-14 and this year. There doesn't seem to be any sort of a happy medium with OU. So we think what we think about this team. Let's just at least for a few minutes explore it. I, in what ways could we be totally missing something about this team in what ways could we be totally wrong? Because everyone likes to point out that 40% of the roster is gone, new coaches, new scheme, we acknowledge that, but in what ways can we be, I don't know, maybe maybe a little bit wrong about this team? Because I'm having trouble finding out reasons. Uh, well, the, the quickest way to go wrong on an Oklahoma prediction is injury. Okay, and you can't you can't make a prediction what their in in result of the season is going to be by like factoring that in. You can't say, well, they're going to go seven and five because their quarterback's going to get hurt, right? You know, if you could guarantee that the quarterback was going to get hurt, then you know, I would say, all right, well, maybe seven and five is in play, but we just don't know, and it's stupid to make a pick that way. So you have to assume, you know, everyone across the board stays healthy. And if you assume that everyone across the board stays healthy, you still have to realize that despite what some talking heads across the country want to say, Oklahoma still has the best roster in the Big 12. That's not to say that there's other schools, other schools don't have really good rosters because they do but Oklahoma still has the best roster in the conference and if you're going to point to coaching that it's Brent Venable's first year coaching uh, first year as a head coach I mean 
okay, but explain to me how him being a first-year head coach translates to the best roster losing five games. Right. Well, and, and that's just the thing, is the negatives that people want to throw out as to why OU's going to take a step back. I look at, like, basically all of those and say, well, I actually view that as a positive. Yes, Brent Venables is a first-year head coach, but I'm sorry. I think that this coaching staff, top to bottom, is better than the one that they just had. I think this coaching staff will be better throughout the season developing all these different things than the coaching staff was last year. It's just very, very basic, elementary kind of understanding of football, Teddy. It's They don't look into things that way. It's just, well... There's a first-year head coach. He's a first-year head coach, so no way he can replicate the success. Well, why? Go in a little bit well, deeper yeah. than that. Like, why? Why can't he? Well, I, I don't – I don't. I, there, there's just – and let me just say this, too. It's really difficult. It's difficult across the board to make predictions on teams that you don't know anything about, right? You know – we know quite a bit about the Big 12. I, you know, we watch the Big 12 a lot. We we play against them. We see them up close and personal. You know, I don't see the rest of the country as much, so I know less about the rest of the country. And whenever you step out of your of what you know, I mean, there's a chance to, to kind of make a fool of yourself. But, I mean, there's some things that you know about Oklahoma, and the, the history has been that they've dominated this conference – for a long time and seven and five years over a hundred years are few and far between you can probably count them on one hand and so that's why that 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 take is is kind of ridiculous you know the other thing is you know the first year head coach situation is like tell me like i said tell me how it translates to seven and five is like a, a poorly timed timeout going to cost you five games is is a um like i don't even know what else he wouldn't he wouldn't be locked in on the like i said the guy's been standing on the sideline as a defensive coordinator forever and at the highest of levels and the best way to view how you think game management is going to go is how has he managed everything else since he's been a head coach there yeah it's been pretty good so well, far, right? Let's take a look at recruiting. How has he managed recruiting compared to the last head coach? Stock up emoji. Right? So how has he handled spring practice in the spring game and, and training camp? How have the players responded to, to what he's said, his methodology? Well, everything has been fantastic. So I don't know why you would say that all of that is going to translate into a coach that doesn't know what the hell he's doing during a football game whenever they finally kick the thing off. I mean, if he knows what he's doing in all the other avenues that are important to a head coach, which are probably more important than the actual game day stuff, well, then I would say that the game day is going to go pretty well. Yeah. Let's read some of their bold predictions that they have. Uh, Dennis Dodd says, Brett Yormark will add four Pac-12 teams during the season in a renegotiated deal with ESPN that will start in 2024. As a consequence, Texas and Oklahoma will be left out of their deal a year early and begin playing in the SEC in 2024. Yeah, that's wrong. 
this one says Oklahoma will win as many games in Brent Venable's first season as it did in Lincoln Riley's final season, 11. Well, Lincoln only won yeah. 10, but, you know, Bob got Ooh, the other win. Nice. I mean, it's, nice. it's true. Barrett Salee says throw a blanket over spots one through nine. The Big 12 will be so jumbled together that it will knock itself out of the college football playoff thanks to multiple inexplicable outcomes. In other words, don't fly over the flyover states. It's going to be wild. Well, I will say that that prediction I actually like to a certain degree. I think that I think the Big 12 like competitively, like the competitive balance is going to be excellent this year. I really do. I think that that is that does have the potential to to throw a throw a wrench into the system for the Big 12 if you're looking to get a team into the college football playoff because I think the the top five teams, maybe six, are legitimate teams that could beat anyone in the conference on a given day. Let's get to these final three. The Big 12 won't produce a college football playoff team in 2022, but three teams will finish in the top ten. However, none of the three will be Texas or Oklahoma. Ah, hmm. Baylor, State, and KSU, I'm guessing? Yeah, I don't know. That's correct. Oklahoma okay. will win the breakup with Lincoln Riley and wind up in a more prestigious bowl game than the Trojans with a better final record. The Sooners will be in the college football playoff picture entering the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Jerry Palm Where says today. Oklahoma will not only win the Big 12 and Brent Venable's first season, but make the college football playoff. So you understand what I'm saying. Either you think OU is going to be average, or they think that they're going to go to the playoff. No in between of the two. Right. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of those are safe picks, right? Um, the college football playoff one is not a safe pick, but if you're picking them to like make the Big 12 championship game, uh, ten and two, nine and three. That's pretty. That, those are pretty safe picks. I mean, you feel like on autopilot, the team with the best roster should be able to navigate this schedule. Which, considering the schedule, it it's as favorable of a schedule as Oklahoma's had in a long time. Whenever you get all your tough games, the are best home. teams that you play, for except for the except for Iowa State. But you're right. Everything else is at home. You know the. The Texas game is um, is obviously, you know, something different. But, yeah, Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State at home. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at Winter Creek Golf and Social Club today. 18-hole championship golf course. They've got lots available out here. Beautiful, beautiful community. Uh, some beautiful homes out here on this golf course. you got to come and check it out. Remember, membership starting as low as $100 a month, 405-224-4653 for more information. Citra Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you our number two of the rush. Air Comfort Solutions text line is popping. Join in on the fun, 405-651-3439. Dude, someone just texted us and said, listening to you boys for the next week in Waikiki 
hashtag boomer. And they sent a pic of one of our ref shirts on the beach in Waikiki. Going to have to put that out on social media. That's amazing. That's really cool. That's cool. Man. Hawaii. Man, you got to be filthy, stinking rich to be able to go to Hawaii, don't you, Tyler? Yeah, no, you really do. You really, really do. Steve Sarkeesian had previous head coaching experience. Yeah, he could not figure out how to stop a losing streak last year until it reached six games. Yeah. Yeah, there is – I don't know that there is a correlation at all between first-time coach and, like, win-loss. It's lazy. The win loss the win loss record is more tied to like what does your schedule look like? What does your roster look like in comparison to the teams that you play? What mess has the previous coach left you with? I mean, hey, here's the thing. Uh, say what you want. Sarkeesian was left with a much bigger mess than Brent Venables was, right? Not even close. I mean, it's it, there. There's a difference there. You can't just blanket statement that a guy's a, a first-year head coach. Well, Lincoln Riley was a first-year head coach in 2017, right? But guess what? Bob Stoops left him the keys to the the Cadillac, right? Uh, the the best you know the best group of offensive players and the best opportunity that Oklahoma had had in a long time. That's when Lincoln Riley took over. Well, I'm not saying that what Venables has for him now was like that, but it may not be that far it off. It ain't. Mean, that's I mean, what I'm saying. It yeah. ain't far from that. You know, you know, you don't have Baker Mayfield, but you you got what I believe is going to be a really good quarterback. You got a really good offensive system. You got a really good offensive line. You've got some good players defensively that you can build on. I mean that's going to be the biggest, biggest struggle is building on what they've what they've had defensively over the the last couple of years. But I I expect that to be, you know, just fine. It just annoys me. I guess it annoys me because it's just such a lazy take that well, OU just lost so much from last year. It's like it's the thought that OU is the only team in college football that lost production from last year's team. It's college football. Everybody loses it. And guess what? In the transfer portal era, there is more turnover uh, from a year-to-year basis than we've probably seen ever in the sport. And I know 40% looks like a massive number, but really go look at the 40% that they lost. It's maybe not as staggering as you think. And I guarantee you OU's not the only team that lost 40% of the roster. I, it, again, it, everyone loses a ton. It's the portal era. Alabama's the same yeah. way. Well, here's the thing. West Virginia, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Um, Texas Tech, you know, I know Shuck is the guy that they named, but he was injured almost immediately. New offensive coordinator, new head coach. Uh, TCU, new head coach, new coordinator, maybe a new starting quarterback. Oklahoma State, new defensive coordinator. Kansas State, transfer quarterback, just lost uh, Skylar Thompson, who's like a four- or five-year starter. Iowa State, new quarterback, lost a ton of production off their team. Baylor Bears, new quarterback, uh, lost the guy that took them to win the Sugar Bowl last year. 
And that's just in this conference. Every single team almost is dealing with some type of transition to some degree. That's college football. It the, just is. The, to single out Oklahoma as of the, all of those teams, the one that's going to struggle the most because of that is ridiculous. The re- Peyton says the reason people ding first-time head coaches is they usually walk in on the ground floor. Call it what it is. Riley took over on third base. Ryan Day took over on third base. Venables has taken over on third base or maybe second base. I mean, this is a completely different deal. And how does someone who goes from being the top assistant for five years to now being a bad coach since he's a first-time coach? It's so it's so weird. I I don't understand. I it, it, am I wrong that there's a clear bias going on for some unknown reason? Yeah. What? Well, but here's the thing: if if Britt Venables was viewed as the best OC in the past five years, it would be completely different. That's what's that's what's dumb. Well, you know, I don't even know that you have to go that far. If Lincoln Riley was fired and Brent Venables was the next head coach, I think the whole dynamic would be different, right? Everyone is viewing this as he's a first-year head coach that's not going to be as good as the guy that he's replacing. That's for I mean, I'm not saying that that's right. That's how people are viewing it for some reason. Yeah. And I don't, I, and I don't understand, I don't understand why. Uh, you've had you've had several other instances that are similar. Like I would say the Notre Dame situation is very similar, but I didn't. And, and maybe it's just because I'm I'm you know walled off a little bit from the talk. But I haven't heard the same conversation surrounding Marcus Freeman. No, I mean, now people are saying the only reason people are turning down on Notre Dame is because of the injuries and in training camp. Yeah. But before that, it was, oh, yeah, they'll be a top five team. They'll be a legit contender for the playoff. Yeah. Amazing. And it was how, what an amazing hire it was, how good it is. Players loved it. Alumni loved it. All right, they are locked in. This thing is, this thing's looking up. But for some reason, Venables hasn't been, hasn't been treated that same way. And I, I just don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> is it because that da- remember Dabo said some things that rubbed a lot of the media wrong there for a couple of years? Are they are they taking that and and pointing that that bias or whatever it is they had against Dabo? Are they, are I, they I, I actually think so. Against Venables? I actually think so. Um, if Venables was you know very different than Dabo and kind of the way that he. I don't want to go as far away as to say that the way that he lived his life, but kind of the things he says and goes about things, I think it'd be different. I think that there are definitely some similarities between Brent Venables and Dabo, so I think that there's a lot to that. Whether And nobody yeah. will ever admit that, but yes, I think that that's it. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, there's, like, Sarkeesian, who... Everyone remembers how his situation ended at USC. And I don't even care about that. Whatever. But he wins a national championship as an offensive coordinator at Alabama. And, you know, forget what happened at Atlanta. He got fired. Offense did not do good there. 
But he goes to Texas, and the hire is celebrated across the country about how great this hire is for Texas. Oh, my God, this is, this is going to be amazing. Like, I know he's been a head coach before, but his credentials aren't anywhere near what Brent Venables are. It ain't even close. It's not even in the same ballpark. And to say in like whenever you got your national championship, whenever you were coaching at Alabama, well, you want to talk about being on third base, but you were already in the batter's box, batter's box about to step on home plate. Yeah, at, I, Nebraska, or at Alabama. With that being said, I'm actually looking at the past uh, Bama offensive coordinators because that's what it is. Like he won a national championship with Bama. That's why the Sark hire was so celebrated. Um, 2010. When or I guess it would have been oh nine, I guess, was um was Jim McElwain was Alabama's offensive coordinator. How did how did that right. work out when he stepped into the SEC? Not very good, right? Uh Doug Nussmeyer was a uh offensive coordinator for Bama during a title season. Lane Kiffin was an offensive coordinator during a title season. The point is, is I'm looking up and down at these offensive coordinators and I'm not seeing a whole lot of guys that have just ripped it in college football after they left Bama and got another head coaching job somewhere. Kind of the exact opposite. So if that's the logic that you're using or that people have used for Steve Sarkeesian, go back and look at the past names that you thought the same thing about. Those didn't work out that great. It's kind of a flawed logic if you ask me. Especially, yeah, he was born on third base. Out of those other guys that won a national championship at Alabama as the O.C., Sark had by far, in a way, not even close better talent on offense than any of those guys before him had. I, dude, you could argue that that is right there with 2019 LSU as the best offense we've ever seen in college football. Yeah, they had three guys that could have won the Heisman Trophy that year. Quarterback, running back, and the wide receiver did. It was, it was wild. But, you know, here's the thing, though. I don't, I don't I'm not trying to say that Sarkeesian is not a good coach. That's not the point of this. The point is Brent Venables has been treated differently than a lot of other coaches that have taken over big-time jobs for some unknown reason. I don't know what that reason is. But there is no doubt that he's been treated differently. Yeah. Yeah, treated differently than Marcus Freeman. Dan Lanning has been positive for the most part. I guess I guess Brent is a lot like uh, Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly was hired at LSU and everyone's like, well, that's not a fit, as if you have to talk Cajun and eat gumbo five days a week to win at LSU. I don't think that that has to be the case. I think Brian Kelly will do okay in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I don't know. I, I you know I'll listen to any theory as to why he he has not been been celebrated like so many other hires this this round or in previous rounds of hiring i'll listen to anything and i'll even listen to someone that says that it's not true he's not being treated differently he's he has been given you know positive reviews by people i don't know i just for whatever reason i haven't seen them and if they've come they've been few and far between all right quick time out more from the rush coming up we've got things 
that caught my eye next, hanging out at Winter Creek Golf and Social Club here. Remember, membership starting as low as $100 a month. They do still have home lots available out here, and the homes on this course are absolutely beautiful. More information, give them a call, 405-224-4653. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. First, quick shout-out to our friends over at Roof Tech. Josh Tucker, former teammate of mine, runs the biz over there and does an outstanding job. Give him a call for any of your roofing needs. Uh, I saw this, which I thought was really, really cool. There's, I guess, this high school football team. It said Washington. I don't know where it is, but – they have what's called Mom's Night, and the moms dress up in full pads, and their sons stand in front of this this padded uh, pit, and the moms run from like 10 yards away and blast their sons full speed in full pads. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think we should adopt that at the station and um, – and be able to all tackle Drake Dykin. <laughs> Surely Mama Layman's got uh, – I know she's got some athletic blood in her. I bet she probably delivers the biggest hit. If not, yeah. everyone would be really disappointed. She is a Notre Dame fan, so she's got to be a little soft, but surely there's some athletic genes in there somewhere. I bet there is. Uh, there's, there's no doubt. My mom uh, was a fantastic athlete, could flat-out fly, uh, had some wheels. Um did you see the Rams Cincinnati practice fight? Um, I there's been practice fights all over the league this year. There's even been uh, no. a joint practice where one team basically faked a stomach bug so they wouldn't have to practice against another team. Savvy, which I think as a team during training camp, very smart coordinated effort there to try and get a day off on those uh, those yeah. tired legs. Yeah. Aaron Donald was dual-wielding Cincinnati Bengals helmets that he ripped off during the fight and slinging them at at, at Cincinnati players like haymakers. It looked like something from a video game. Uh, Amazing, but had he landed a shot, could have killed someone. And I wonder if... If that happens in practice, is it a finable offense? Oh, yes. Are you kidding? Yes. If you hit someone in the head with the helmet, yes, it is. Well, I was saying it should be encouraged. And, hey, this is great ratings for the NFL. They're always looking for something to push, like, the next level. And it's practice fights with these joint practices. You know, everyone wants to see the players fight. If you do it in a practice setting, it's like, oh, well, you know, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. It just kind of happened. You know, it's one thing on Sunday on television, but at at practice – I say they build on this thing, man. Yeah, we can get Adrian Peterson versus Le'Veon Bell before the start of the season. We can actually get that fight. It's a brilliant move. Last thing I've got, daggummit, Dallas Cowboys can't get a break. Tyron Smith looks like he's probably going to be out for the season. Apparently tore his hamstring off the bone in practice. And um, that dude's had a rough time staying healthy recently. Yeah, he has. A couple years ago was, geez, uh, in my opinion, the best or right there with the best left tackles in the NFL, and it's been tough on him. The Cowboys quickly went from best offensive line in the league 
to question uh, uh, offensive line a giant question mark with or without Tyron Smith. It's just interesting how quickly you can be really good at a position, and then a year later, a year two later, you're all of a sudden like really thin and need a lot of help there. So, which Cowboys would be average? That does, yeah. That does remind me of a quick speaking of Cowboys offensive line. Reminds me of a quick statistic I saw the other day. Zach Martin. Uh, who was on that Notre that Manti Te'o Notre Dame team that came to Oklahoma? Uh, he's an absolute stud offensive lineman. He has more Pro Bowls, I think seven, than he does holding penalties Jeez, in his entire that career. That is Hall of Fame worthy, right there. That should go on his bust when he's elected and the I, Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's he's had six holding penalties as a pro football player, and I think three of them came his rookie year. Wow. All right, I got a few here. First, California announced that it will ban the sale of new gasoline-powered cars by huh. 2035. Wow. Not a good time to own a uh, dealership in the state of California because you're not going to be able to sell gasoline-powered cars there very soon. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. There's something like, uh, I think there's like 40 or 50 million people in California, which means there's probably, I don't know how many, there's got to be close to that that number of vehicles when you count commercial vehicles and everything there. They better figure out how they're going to supply that big of a boost in electricity because I... If they don't, they've got issues coming, and they probably got issues coming anyways. This is the story of the day, and there's no other way to say it than this. South Carolina has a live mascot that's a rooster, and apparently they're going to have to change its name because of a dispute between the two owners. I don't know. That's not really important. What's important is they're trying to figure out a new name for the South Carolina live rooster mascot, and there's a local newspaper that has come up with 10 names, and people out in Carolina are voting on it. The names that you can vote on are Kickin' Chicken, Cockle Doodle Dude, General, Cluck Norris, or the leader with 71% of the votes, Cock Commander. Again, there yeah. is no other way to say it than there is now a movement for that to be the name of the new South Carolina live mascot. So what's the deal? So there's two owners that are fighting over the cock. What's the deal? Oh, How do two people own it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't look into the story other than just, I didn't look into it further than just what they're trying to name the new their new rooster. How long has it been the mascot? Uh, I, I think quite a while, actually. The live rooster. Yes, yeah. a while. Huh. I don't. I don't know what the the life expect expectancy is on roosters. Fifteen, twenty years. Huh. Ah, that's fascinating. Seventy-one percent of the votes for Cock Commander. Cluck Norris yeah. trailing at just six percent of the votes. As uh, you would imagine. I don't like that. I like I I think they picked the right one. Seventy one percent. Last Good one stuff. last one I have. Ricky Williams, former Heisman winner at Texas, says, quote, I think NIL money should go in a trust that goes to the player once they graduate, end quote. Agree. We talked about that whenever this whole thing was being discussed. Uh I totally agree with that. I think that is I mean, I think that that's actually a way that you keep it amateur athletics. And I think it's it's also 
I think it also maybe helps the locker room a little bit. Here's the danger of that, though. Predatory lending. If you're a player and you've got, let's say you've got $100,000 of NIL money that has been that is in your trust. Well, you can use that as collateral and go get a loan against that and, and, and you know, put your, get yourself in a really bad position really quickly. So that's the one thing that I worry about with that, but I still think it's a, a really good idea. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out Winter Creek Golf and Social Club today. 18-hole championship golf course. They just put a new... Uh, new swimming pool area in. It's got a bunch of lounge areas in. Uh, it looks like four TVs out there. Really, really cool. Uh, the 19th hole, great food. Uh, open to the public as well. Memberships as low as $100 a month, 405 224 4653. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. As you can imagine from the South Carolina uh, mention last segment, we get a lot of text on that. Respectfully, the rooster's name should be Colonel William Hung. Uh, Roosters live about five to eight years on average. Uh, Great radio, LOL, I can't breathe. Let's see. I just laughed out loud in the grocery store hearing Teddy say he encourages hitting others with helmets. Thanks. I needed the laugh today. Hmm. And then Five some others to that eight I can't years? Read. Huh. I figured they'd live longer than that. Well, let's go get you a rooster after the show today, and we'll test out that theory. You already got yeah. two dogs in the house, right? What's the rooster going to hurt? Uh... I saw a video once of a hawk trying to come and get a chicken like out of like right in front of a hen house and the hawk grabbed the chicken and the rooster came flying out of the hen house and tore the hawk's eyeballs out in wow. like 2 seconds. You know who we can <laughs> ask crazy, about the man. life expectancy of a rooster? Yeah. Yeah, we got to hit a break, but Mike Gundy will surely know. That's oh, great. it's All like right. 10 to 12. <laughs> 10 to 12 years. Uh, okay, quick timeout. We got the final hour of the rush coming up. Hanging out, Winter Creek Golf and Social Club. Remember, memberships as low as $100 a month, 405 224 4653.